first reading today is taken from Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 2 to 9. It will be found on page 179 in the Church Bibles. Remember how the Lord, your God, led you all the way in the desert those 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Knowing then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. This is the word of the Lord. you can, please stand for the gospel. The gospel is from John, chapter 6, verses 25 to 37. It will be found on page 1011. Jesus, the bread of life. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him... God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the work that God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? <coughs> will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. 
Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whosoever comes to me, I will never drive away. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Help us to hear the word that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please do sit down. When my brother and I were small, my mum used to keep the fruit bowl always topped up. And if we complained that we were hungry and wanted a snack between meals, that was where she'd send us. And when she did, one or other of us would usually say, but I'm not hungry for fruit. (laughs) That sound familiar to anyone? (laughs) She obviously didn't want us filling up on empty calories, on sugary things that we wanted that momentarily sated our appetite, but then were going to stop us from eating our dinner later. And in a very simple way, this is kind of what is at the heart of Jesus speaking about bread, except in a spiritual sense. He's saying, don't be satisfied with the spiritual equivalent of empty calories. These might be things that aren't necessarily negative. They may even be things that we attribute religious significance to. But they can be distractions from something deeper and better, from the true and most helpful focus of our time and our energy. Now, those following Jesus have, in this account, just themselves been fed physical bread as part of that miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. They're understandably impressed by this and rather hung up on that physical provision of bread from heaven by God. And they're thinking back to um, the story of the hungry Israelites when they wandered in the desert having escaped from Egypt. It was an important event in their lives, in their story, and they needed it on a practical level then to survive. Man does not live by bread alone, but also by bread. Um, But it was a sign of the faithful provision of God for their needs. And it was simply a foretaste of a greater work to come. The bread of God, that was the bread that came down from heaven and gave life to the world. Jesus himself. So Jesus tells them, shift your focus from this physical bread to to him. So then they say, so what is it then, if if we keep this focus? What is the work that God wants from us? And he says an astonishing thing. He says it's not, he doesn't say it's to look after the poor and the sick or to obey the law or go to church or myriad other good works. But the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's work. (laughs) That's what we're about. So everything we are doing for God and we are about for God has to begin with that. It stems from our relationship with the one that God sent, Jesus. He is the bread. That is the sustenance. 
the daily and the necessary food on which we must feed. And like the manna in the desert, it will be absolutely sufficient for the needs of each day. And if we, if we neglect to recognize it, this and neglect to foster and grow that relationship above all other priorities, then we're starving ourselves of something essential to life and faith. It's not a nice-to-have of our being a Christian. It's not a nice-to-have of our discipleship. It's the core. It's the bedrock, the foundation of it. Well, it's January, so I reckon a good few of us have decided that we need to exercise more physically. Um, but I wonder if we have also considered how to exercise more spiritually, to build up our appetite for the right kind of bread. Because the problem is, a bit like me in the fruit bowl when I was a kid, we're easily satisfied with the poorer version, aren't we? What are we running on spiritually? What's fueling us as we go into this new year? Are we happy with some of the empty calories we've been taking in? Or are we looking for something else? You might have heard of Pete Grieg, who um, began the 24-7 global prayer movement, um, which is an amazing movement. Read anything he's written, it's brilliant. Um, he's written a couple of very inspiring books, um, and in one of them, Dirty Glory, he tells the story of a place in the United States that he and his family lived in for a short while. And it was known originally to the first ever residents there as Blue Camp 20. And apparently it was once a stopping point, kind of on the edge of civilization, um, between, for pioneers between the 1820s and 1880s. And they were heading through dangerous plains in order to reach their ultimate destination, which was Santa Fe. And so this was a kind of last camp before they set out on a very long journey to get to Santa Fe. And it was a significant story in his and his family's life because as time went on, those early settlers, some of them, never left Blue Camp 20 because they set up businesses and homes there serving the other travelers that were coming through. And in time, a stopping place that was originally meant to be a temporary camp became a little town in its own right. Um, and they renamed it Little Santa Fe. From Blue Camp 20, it became Little Santa Fe. Um, because for some of them, do you know what? We could just stay here. We don't need to make that arduous journey. They settled for less than they'd originally hoped for, for a littler Santa Fe. And for Pete and his family at that time in their lives, he realizes it's a challenging metaphor for him because he nearly gives up at that point on the pioneering ministry that God has for him because he finds over time he's increasingly attracted to the stability and the material comforts and the lifestyle uh, in a place that they'd originally come to stay in for a bit just to rest and replenish before they moved on. We do that, don't we? We're attracted to comfort. So where do we start with abiding? Yesterday, um, the MLT, the ministry leadership team, we took a day out and went away together. Um, and we looked together about how we abide in that vine. That's a picture from the Gospel of John, isn't it? Um, that Jesus is the vine and we, we are kind of stuck into it, grafted into that vine. 
um, and abiding in it and staying and growing from that root. We have to be plugged into that relationship to grow in that picture, don't we? And Jesus says that without that, we can't do anything. In fact, we wither. Branches that aren't connected to the vine will wither. And we had to carve out time as an MLT to meet and do this together. And it was hard to do that because it's costly, isn't it, in busy lives to carve out a whole day to do something. And we all had good things to be doing elsewhere, actually. So we had to make a compromise to be together. But it turned out to be really incredibly precious time, didn't it, with God? It was, um, God just met us there in a really beautiful way and uh, lifted a lot of the burden and a lot of the stuff that we'd been carrying um, and just drew us together to one another and to him. It was a really, really precious time. And I think it brought with it that recognition that we can only do for God out of the quality of our being with God. We can only do for God out of the quality of the relationship that we have with him. So what does real hunger for God look like? Well, there's loads of examples in the Bible. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. We sing that one, don't we? Gosh, have I ever been that thirsty for God and God's presence? Jesus goes off alone for time with the Father, despite a ridiculously busy schedule and despite many, many needs from the people around him. He still takes himself away, doesn't he? The disciples, as well, show us, show us the Father. They show something of that, that hunger, don't they, to understand. The father of the boy who's healed, I believe, help my unbelief. He's hungry to get it. He wants to get it. The Ethiopian in the chariot, what's to keep me from being baptized? I'm reading, I'm hungry for the word, I want to understand. So we kind of do have pictures of what it looks like. It's a desire to press in despite our flaws and failings, to seek, to hold out for the possibility that we can be closer to God, to see him work in our everyday, to experience that transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of those around us, in everything. Access all areas in my life, God. It's that kind of desire. It leads ultimately to less frenetic and more focused and more U-shaped activity. It's a gift. It's a slowed down pace because it's an angling of our lives towards God's priorities and he only has good things for us. And I've discovered personally, and many of you will have, that it makes all the difference to a challenging day. The more challenging the day ahead, the more I need to carve out that time with God. The less I should be trying to shoehorn it in or pay lip service to it. It's a relinquishing, therefore, of control. It's a surrender to God's purposes and agenda. And it's not boring. It really isn't boring. If it's boring, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Sometimes it requires discipline, yes. But we all connect with God in different ways. Just find the thing that does it for you, for goodness sake, and then do more of it. It leads to richness, actually, because we're more open to that activity of God in our lives. It is not empty calories. It is real food, the only food for life. 
Right, the practical. We're going to take seven minutes now to pray around the church. Um, and you can pray. If you can't leave your seat, that's fine. Pray where you are. But you are welcome to move into the concourse and pray in or by the rooms or wherever the business of being church takes place within this building. And what I'd like you to pray for, whether you're sat where you are or whether you're moving about, is for hunger. For God to give us the appetite for the right kind of bread. For a spirit of hunger for him in this whole church. Not just in this congregation, not just in us individually, but yes, let's ask for that across, across the whole church. To start in us and to ripple out for God. For us not to be satisfied with the crumbs, but to want the bread of life and to want it for each other. Um, I'm going to ask you to keep the, the focus during that seven minutes. And yes, you can pray together, but please don't chat. Okay, there'll be time for that afterwards. So be really disciplined. Let's just use that seven minutes. Silent prayer is fine as well. Uh, I will call you back together by using the bell because I can't think of a better way to do it that just gets everyone's attention. So apologies for that in advance, but that's what we're going to do. Um, if you feel that God has spoken to you and you've, it's something you want to share with people, then my suggestion is that during coffee time, you write it on that flip chart over there. And we'll also do the same at the um, 11 o'clock service. Okay, so praying for hunger. Off you go. The time starts now. Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? <laughs> Remember, this is relationship we're looking for here, not legalisms. You don't think about going to meet up with your very best friend who you love being with. You think, mm, I want to meet with my best friend, do you? What's the phrase? Beware of the hardening of the arteries. <laughs> okay, we're looking for something life-giving. Amen.